see if I can flip this. Well, that's not going to cooperate, but okay. Oh, your screen? Yeah. My, normally it's supposed to turn, but mm, it's not turning. And you can't put it upright? Well, I can, but it's a little heavy, mm. <laughs> which is why it's normally sideways. But, yeah. Okay. I mean... Follow your lead. <laughs> there. Now I can read. <laughs> Are you introducing? <laughs> Are we um, I'm trying to remember what the hell I said last time. All right. Hello, everyone. Yeah. I'm Dr. Robert Shapiro. Okay. I'm Teresa. Yeah. Welcome to the Intuitive Health Portal. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Robert Shapiro. The camera's over there. Over there. Oh. <laughs> I don't have to look at the computer? Okay. No, no, no. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Gotcha. So you're talking Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Robert Shapiro. I'm Teresa. And this is the Intuitive Health Portal Podcast. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about uh, the differences between fear of failure and fear of success. And uh, yes, there is a difference. Yes. So why we chose this topic? Well, um, I actually did a couple sessions uh, just last week and just yesterday, uh, really talking about this very subject. Um, both of the, um, the people that I worked with, they are kind of in a position where they are at a crossroads and really trying to decide the direction that they're going to go um, with their present careers, jobs. And they both kind of had the same fear, um, which was either, you know, fear of, well, the fear of failure or the other one, which many people don't consider is the fear of success. Yeah. Um, so when you brought this to me and, and, and we discussed about, you know, a mutual friend and client slash patient, um, it brought back a lot of our own memories um, and, and it was, ironically, it seemed, it, it seemed very appropriate. I mean, I, I know that there's lots of other, uh, you know, self-help subject books, audio books, programs, etc. but I don't really think that they approach it from the standpoint of like an energy or, you know, the, the metaphysical side of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's partially what we're going to do. We're going to bring that into it. And yes, I am going to talk about the success part. And, uh, I would say that's largely why those things were brought to us, at least by our friend, uh, Jacob, uh, is because he sees that, you know, we've been through, uh, obviously some failures we've had success you know we're we're at a, more of a an ascension of our of our our life our business life our personal life mm -hmm. and so you know who who better to learn from than somebody that's been through it right yes and so uh what we probably what we really need to do is talk about some of our personal struggles you know because the reality is that anybody that's successful has had them uh still has them and uh, you will always have them. It's just how you look at them and how you choose to perceive them and how you choose to deal with them. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so, uh, you know, that being said, I'm, I'm going to go into a little bit of kind of like my, my initial struggles that led me, you know, obviously onto this path, right? And of course, together. Uh, so I'll talk about like my experiences. You know, initially, I, I was not always a self-employed entrepreneurial doctor of chiropractic, uh, in case you didn't realize that. Um, I you actually mean you weren't born doing what you do. Nah, I wasn't born doing what I do. <laughs> I, 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 as a matter of fact, you know, it's funny you say that. I, <laughs> for years, uh, I really kind of despised that about myself. Oh. I was disgusted with the fact that I wasn't born with the the entrepreneurial spirit. Like I didn't have the knowledge just like planted in my head by the power of the universe. You know, I wasn't like He-Man or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> in fact, I was, um, you know, and for a long time, I basically told people when they'd say, hey, like, who were you when you were growing up and you were in school? I was like, I was basically a nobody. I mean, there was no reason for people to know me. And, you know, a big part of that, of course, as, I, as we discussed in the first episode, is the fact that it just moved all over the place. So it was really hard yeah. to plant roots and figure out who I was, right? And I spent a lot of time trying to do that. So that being said, I uh, my first uh, ventures into the, you know, the working world, the world where you start trading time for money, mm -hmm. um, were in the job world. And initially, of course, you know, I, I started in fast food. I had no job experience. Uh, thankfully, I learned I hated that really quickly. And, <laughs> um, and I actually had an opportunity to get into the banking industry. And that really appealed to my, um, my nature that I, I, I like numbers. I'm, I am a very much a logic-based person. And so, and I really wanted to learn to understand money because I saw that my family, coming from a blue-collar family, you know, very hardworking, but uh, very poor understanding of money. Mm. I wanted to understand it better because I knew that people with more money had more options. They, you know, and you know, people try to say uh, money doesn't buy you happiness. Uh, personally, I kind of beg to differ on that. Uh, I understand that it isn't everything. And, and the whole thing about m money is the root of all evil, that's also BS. Like that's, it's, it's a tool. It's all it is. It's an instrument that represents, it's a way for us to concentrate our sweat equity, our productivity into something that's portable, that's easy to exchange with other people for goods and services. Mm -hmm. And you just have to go look at it that way, right? Of course, again, I didn't know that at first, right? I'm, I'm, we're we're fast tracking things here for you. You guys are going to learn a bunch from this, right? Little financial stuff. So, um, so again, I got into banking, <clears throat> learned all about that, and then uh, got into kind of unfortunately found out there are things called politics, and learned that I wasn't always the favorite employee. Uh, I was chastised for believe it or not, I was chastised. I was actually held down for my ability to see the bigger picture of things. And anticipate moves. And what I mean by that is that I got to know the, 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 the managers, the higher ups, and I got on their favorable side. And my bosses, my immediate bosses did not like that at all. And it really irritated them. And I think that they really kind of it, it scared them. And eventually, mm -hmm. eventually, once the company was bought, they all lost their jobs I was leaving already because I got my graduate degree and my intention was fully, I had told them right from the get-go, I'm going to be a chiropractor. This is a temporary thing. And so I was leaving. The company got bought. They all lost their jobs. I remember the fear in their eyes when that was coming. I remember I could feel it. It was palpable. 
And so, uh, and honestly, I didn't like it, but I also liked the fact that I was taking control of my own destiny. I didn't fully realize that at the time, but I felt it. So, and then of course, came out to California, uh, met my wonderful wife, Teresa, and we, uh, you know, started our journey together at a job at a dot-com startup in Lodi, California. And so, and uh, I think you should probably talk a little bit, you know, about like your experiences leading up to that point. Well, I started working when I was 15. Uh, my first job was working in a video store. And uh, I pretty much at first had just started out just kind of helping them with, you know, putting the this was when they still had videotapes. <laughs> dating yourself. I know, right? So I would basically would just kind of help them, um, put, you know, putting those away and just kind of, I really just used it as a place to hang out. I, you know, really liked the owners. Um, but, you know, I ended up moving away. So I didn't get to, you know, keep the job for very long. Um, then, you know, pretty much as I finished with school and then really went into the workforce, that's kind of when I went into working in retail. So I actually worked for Sears and Mervyn's. Um, I actually did pretty much during the Christmas holiday and then back to school in the children's department. Crazy t times. <laughs> but then um, after that, you know, kind of worked in the uh, restaurant industry. So I actually worked at a buffet and I was actually a, um, a cashier. And one of the things that I learned was that I had an amazing memory. <laughs> I was actually able to memorize, you know, really large numbers as far as when groups would come in to the buffet. I basically would just punch in however many there were and then just tell them how much they owed. And so I remember one time my boss and I actually had a competition as far as who could ring in the most amount of people within an hour. And I won. <laughs> And so, um, so yeah, basically working in, you know, the restaurant industry. And then, you know, from there, I've actually worked in travel. And so one of the things that really just came out of that was my customer service skills and my willingness to learn. But much like what Robert experienced um, was, I started really kind of seeing the bigger picture and the direction that the companies were going. And then I got to the point to where I was in positions where I was training my own managers. And I said, there's something wrong with this picture. And then they, I had a number of coworkers that were saying, well, why don't you apply for a management position? I was like, I don't want that job. You know, especially when I would see, you know, just the, the corporate side of things and, you know, who I would be answering to. And I said, no, that's not for me. And you know, kind of the same thing, just, you know, refusing to conform and just refusing to be a robot and really actually using my brain and thinking, then I was actually let go from a number of positions because then I was looked at as a threat. And so in trying to, you know, really just go after that, you know, that financial freedom and thinking that I was going to get that freedom in the form of a job, basically, you know, prove myself, they'll notice me, I'll make more money. And over and over again, I just found that that was not the case. Um, then, you know, I actually went into the wine industry and I found that I absolutely loved it. I was actually a salaried employee. 
and um, pretty much, you know, was making at the time about $2,200 a month. Um, and the most that I'd ever made and was like, wow, you know, so this is what this looks like. And um, but, you know, before that, kind of like what, you know, I was saying, meeting at, you know, a startup company, you really get excited. Uh, I actually moved to the company very quickly, starting out in one position, just basically in telemarketing sales, went into follow up. Um, then from there, you know, went into, you know, tech support and design, you know, but Again, looking at the direction of the company, realizing that it could potentially fall. And, you know, him and I both watched, you know, many of our friends and coworkers, um, you know, lose their jobs. And, you know, really just like you said, that, you know, that fear that, you know, comes, you know, over them. And, I remember one time I was sitting, you know, I was like in a room of with about, oh, there's about 10, 12 of us. And it was kind of the question of, okay, who's going to lose their job today? And, you know, I'm surrounded by these people that are crying their eyes out, not knowing, you know, which direction they're going to go, you know, what's going to happen. And I finally had enough. And I stood up and I said, people, this is not the end of the world. I said, you do, you are actually meant for more than this. And, you know, this is not going to be, you know, the end of the line for any of us. And next thing I know, I was being called in, you know, to basically whether I was like, okay, well, am I going to be told to go or will I actually stay? Well, I kind of already knew what they were looking for. And it was they were actually looking for me to stay because I'd been there for so long and was basically doing every job that was available. And so when they called me in and said, you know, we would like for you to stay, I said, well, I was not planning on staying. And that was kind of the time that I said, no, I, I can't, I can't do this. I can't save them. And so, um, so I basically had said, no, I, I need to move on. And there was actually, you know, it was like um, a woman who had just lost her job just before I was actually called in. And I wasn't even back through the door in the room and she was being called back in and was offered her job back. And and I said, wow, OK. So then they called me back in and they said, well, because you've decided that you did not want to stay, we're going to go ahead and let you go today. And I said, OK. <laughs> and so so I said, all right, well, that kind of saves the question of what am I going to do now? <laughs> so um, so then they said, we'll go ahead and just let you go today, um, give the opportunity to, you know, collect unemployment if you want to. And I went, all right. And so, but then I, you know, wasn't on unemployment that long. I went ahead and said, okay, I need to find another job. Um, but again, just trying different jobs, realizing, you know, the same pattern. And I finally just had to say, no, I, I'm not meant to be an employee. And so that was kind of when I left the actual work world. And then we started our journey together. Yeah. So uh, let me fill in some of the some of the space in there. Right. Because it's like makes it seem like you just literally jump from one thing and then boom, aha, superwoman. I'm jumping into the hey, I be, am. right. <laughs> Which you are, you know. But I mean, I, I guess the reason why I want to do that is I want to let people uh, earthling people. <laughs> you other people. No, I'm just kidding. We're all, I mean, we're all, we're all human. Right. And I want to just explain kind of the, the human side of it because it, it's not always simple, but at the same time, there's usually a lot of overthinking involved and it's just, it all boils down to like la lack of faith in yourself. 
So that being said, uh, going back into uh, our experience together at the startup company, this dot-com startup company, right? Um, this was the this was the height of the tech boom, like the 90s, you know, Microsoft was new, you know, Apple was, you know, up and coming, AOL, Netscape. Most of most people were not even connected to the internet. They didn't understand it. Most people didn't have a website. Most people didn't know what a domain name was. I mean, you can look back on it now. There are, there are those of you who will watch this and say, I, I've never in my life ever not known what a domain name is, right? Because you were raised in it. Mm -hmm. But those of us who came before, who are a little bit more dated, um, <laughs> um, it was new to us. We literally were learning on the job. Yeah. And the reality is we were also kind of getting paid beans and we weren't making much money. I was bartending on the weekends at a local uh, a bar and restaurant uh, mm -hmm. to, to, yeah, to supplement our income. Yeah. I think when I, think, uh, when I left, I was making about nine fifty yeah. an hour. I wasn't making much more. And I, Which is I, kind of unheard of today. <laughs> I had actually, I guess you could say, graduated from the design department, which is kind of helping people design websites and doing tech support like setting people up with their email server. I had graduated to the IT department and was working Networking. on servers, right? I was learning how to tear computers apart, put them back together, reinstall their operating systems, all their software, reintegrate it with the network. I mean, I knew some of it and that's how I got the job, but I learned most of it there. And that's one of the things that I've always kind of been able to take away from situations is that you don't always get compensated in your pay. It's not always monetary. Mm -hmm. You get compensated in knowledge. And quite honestly, that's way more valuable than any money can, that anybody can ever pay you. And yes. you, have to, you have to get that into your head. And for whatever reason, I was able to do that because I don't get the impression that a lot of people get that today. I think everybody just wants to get paid. They want to walk out of school with their paper in their hand and say, okay, I want to get paid the, the, the money of a CEO. And I'm like, yeah, you need to get real. You have no life experience. All you have is a piece of paper and some book knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's valuable, but you can't really help a lot of people. You're going to be asking tons of questions. So you've got to get your feet wet. You've got to get experience. And that is where like the real magic occurs. When you blend that education with that experience, it's a real powerful mixture. And so that's, I think I just intuitively kind of knew that. And, uh, but also is that fear of success. You know, we mentioned that in the beginning, like fear mm -hmm. of failure, fear of success. What is fear of success? Fear of success is when you have the feeling like, okay, what if I do this and it works? Now you've got responsibility. Now mm -hmm. you're accountable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, you're making money. But see, if you drop the ball, you lose the accounts. The money's gone. And you could actually ruin the endeavor. And that's how businesses go bankrupt. And that's how people lose everything. So that's kind of the fear of success is, okay, now I got to take responsibility. Now I got to push forward and I have to hold myself accountable because you no longer have a nine to five boss doing it for you, right? And so that's kind of, you know, uh, what what is it? Um, I kind of had that. I honestly had that. And so that's why we were working jobs because of the security, because mm -hmm. we didn't have to have all that on our shoulders. But you know, I, again, inherently, I kind of knew that. So I did what I did. I made the money that I did. We got by. Uh, mm -hmm. We weren't rich by any means. I mean, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment, and 
one bedroom, one bath, you know, uh, and we had one vehicle and yeah. Carport, no garage. Yeah, carport, no right. garage. Like we lived very frugally. I think our rent was what, like. Oh man. Like I think when I first month? moved in that place, I think it was about four twenty-five a month, which is unheard of today. It's unheard of. Like I mean <laughs> and then I think even when we left it maybe it gone up to like five fifty. <laughs> so So mind you, uh, when I left St. Louis after I got out of grad school and I left St. Louis, Missouri to come here and she told me what her rent was, I was appalled because <laughs> I owned a house. In St. Louis, while I was in grad school, and I paid five eighty seven a month for that house for the mortgage. All right, and I moved out here, and it was total sticker shock. Was, I mean, one bedroom apartment, and you're paying almost as much as for. I mean, <laughs> are you out of your mind? And now people are paying like forty two hundred dollars a month for rent. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. So, um, but it's all relative. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, uh, let me see. Um, well, going talking about the you know the fear of success. The other mm-hmm. thing is, yes, you achieve your goal, you you know, become a success, or sometimes you know you're not even ready to move forward because of that what if, and then how much is my life going to change, right? And so aside from you know, it was like what you're making and doing and having the responsibility, you know, just sometimes you know there is you kind of feel like you're going to lose that balance, you know, of the home life to the work life. And so, you know, that's kind of some of the things that we've addressed with each other is because it's like, yeah, we maintain our practice and our life, but then we kind of go, right, well, where are, what are some of the other areas that are maybe not getting the attention, whether it's spending time with each other or, you know, it's like the time of, needing to spend time with other, you know, friends and family and right, because most of the time, even at the end of the day, you know, he still has the responsibility of taking care of his notes and really just kind of what happened throughout the day and really addressing that. And so we kind of just have to set, you know, appointments for ourselves, you know, like, okay, yeah, we're going to spend time with each other between this time and this time. (laughs) It's, you know, and it sounds funny to actually have to schedule it that way. But yeah, but you know what? A lot of successful people do it. Yes. That's the thing. We, that's that's why when you're learning something, there's no point in reinventing the wheel. <laughs> um, you really don't have to. Most people have paved the way for you. Again, we've paved this way, and we want to share it with you, right? So the best way to learn is from people who have done it, right? You need mentors. You need coaches. And so uh, some of it, though, we did grind it out and learn it on our own <laughs> because we didn't always have mentors in our lives. And eventually we, you know, we sought them out. Mm-hmm. But a lot of things, it was trial. It was trial by fire. Like we just we dove in and Jump then got in. burnt and, you know, came out and, you know, hosed ourselves off and then dove back in. And then, you know, the wounds heal and and you learn and, and you grow. And so uh, but, yeah, it was. um that's some of the stuff that I was talking about, you know, in session. It's like, yeah, you set yourself on this path and then somewhere along the line, you may derail from that path. And, you know, it can sting and you kind of go, man, I've lost my way. But then knowing that it's like, okay, well, 
I had the path already. So even though the path kind of goes this way, you can say, okay, I can kind of retract a little bit and then move forward on that path. And so not really looking at it as, you know, a failure. Well, I went this way, it, you know, it didn't work, I failed. And we could get stuck there. But then you have to go, no, there is a particular, you know, path that I was set on that could potentially, you know, be great. So I'm going to continue to do that. One of the things that really helped me to realize that just what you said about your path doesn't have to be this like linear thing. Right. Oftentimes you can get off on these tangents, right? Down these rabbit holes or out into the weeds, as I like to say, <laughs> <laughs> coming from the perspective of golf, I guess. Um, but, you, you know, we are trained to fear failure. Like it's not an option, right? The old sayings, old generations are like failure is not an option. In school, they punish you for failing. Uh, well, I don't know about that anymore. Back in our day, they did. Yeah. It almost seems like they, <laughs> they reward you for failing now, but it's not necessarily in a, in a good thing. Um, and so you really get a lot of negative self-talk about failure and you grow to uh, avoid it as much as possible. But in order to start down your own path, you have to learn to fail and kind of enjoy failing. And the, 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 the source that really taught me a lot about that was I started reading Robert Kiyosaki's books. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the first one. And that book really opened my eyes to the world of people who want security versus those that want freedom and independence and, you know, the liberty to make their own decisions, right? And unlimited potential of either income production or, uh, you know, building, building a business that can, in a lot of ways, believe it or not, like you can incorporate your family life into it, right? Mm -hmm. You can actually have your family come into it. I mean, what's wrong with that? In fact, we realize that eventually, like we have to do that because <laughs> this whole like work-life balance thing, okay, it's a great, con it's a great idea and sometimes it's achievable, but again, most successful people I know kind of blend them together. And you really just kind of, you know, uh, you, you take lemons and you make lemonade out of it, so to speak, right? Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the so in Kiyosaki's books, he talks about, um, you know, the four quadrants, employee, self-employed, business owner, investor. And, uh, you know, I, I started to kind of get those concepts. She was still kind of stuck in the employee world for a while. And we, and we actually, it was a point of contention for us. Like it mm -hmm. really upset you. That I wouldn't just, you know, close the office at five o'clock and run home. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean you're bringing your work home? You know, yeah. What do you mean that you have to answer patient, you know, phone calls? We didn't have texting at that time. Right, right. Uh, yes. Now it's like everything: asking texts and emails. I'm and, doing this right? and this and this. <laughs> so it's a lot of multitasking, right? But I mean, she just couldn't believe and she couldn't wrap her mind around it, and that's kind of what kept leading you back into the employment world. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking over and over, and each time, like you would come back. And you would find that you were more qualified than your boss was. Right. And then they'd find a, a, a way to sabotage you. Mm -hmm. Like when you worked for the logistics company, yeah. big logistics company that delivers to like KFC and all them. <laughs> and they, they sabotaged her. My brother worked there. Yeah. They sabotaged him and got rid of him. And I knew, I knew your, the writing was on the wall for you, right? And I was telling you. And then I remember the day you came home and you were crying. You had all your stuff in a bag or in a box. Oh, yeah. And I just and I just said, you know, I, I told you. And and it really wasn't what you wanted to hear. You didn't need me to rub salt in the wound. Right. I realized it at the time. I, and I wasn't saying it to rub it in her face. No. I, my, I, I came from a very 
I'm, I've been very hyper vigilant most of my life. I look for, I look for combat. And it's a lot of the way it's because of the way I was brought up, right? It's the way I adapted to life, just certain things that happened, conflicts, et cetera. And I was always looking for like the danger, like, okay, who's going to try to threaten me? Who's going to try to assault me? Right. Figuratively or, or re realistically. And so I was always looking for like, oh, this person's going to try to hamstring you and this and that. And, you know, some, and many times it would happen. Yeah. But, you know, each time you went back into that world and you dealt with the politics and I think you just started to see more and more like, I'm never going to fit in here. I'm never going to be able to realize my potential. Mm -hmm. And then when you took ownership of your gifts is really when you just finally, you know, you, you shed the skin of, I'm going to be dependent on anybody else. You burned the bridge mm -hmm. and you decided to move forward. You were never going to go back. Right. Right. And yes. that's, and that is kind of the fear of failure. That's not wanting to burn the bridge and then the success, right? You have to burn the bridge and move forward. And it's a really scary thing. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, it's scary to let go of that paycheck let go of that that guaranteed source of income because for a long time she was my guaranteed source of income when i first started my practice in 2008 at the peak of the housing market crisis of the great financial crisis i think i was bringing home maybe like 18,000 20,000 a year mm -hmm. when i started my practice it was terrible it was difficult i grounded out her paycheck kept us afloat but gradually I built it up, you know, within three years I had tripled the practice and, but we still needed her income. I had brought, she came in for a while, uh, but we still mm. needed an outside source of income. So yeah. we were arguing over money. She would go back out in the working world. Thank God that what about 2012, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, somewhere around there, 2000, no, 2010, I'm sorry, is when we got into Health Source. It was a franchise. Nine. 2009 yeah. and um they taught us how to run a business mm -hmm. that's when we learned we got proper coaching professional coaching we learned how to run a business we learned how to systematize we learned how to um we learned how to coach our our employees how to you know how to m give them ownership into the business so to speak right. emotional and how to market successfully right and that helped us grow it and so that really kind of turned us around in that regard. That's when the, the practice really started generating the money that we, the base money that we needed to just, you know, you know, be able to survive and, and, mm -hmm. and thrive. And then you learned your, your, your Reiki uh, techniques mm -hmm. and then you realize, hey, this is what I want to do. There's, there's an integral part of healing. You brought that in and that's, you know, we've just, we've just continued to grow from there. Yeah. But one of the things that I had said, even just yesterday in the session that I did, um, was having a passion is awesome and really following your life purpose. And yes, it can be scary to let go of, you know, the job and, you know, the security and finances and all that. And one of the questions I asked is, why not be able to do both? Because even when I first started doing Reiki and, you know, was kind of doing those small sessions with people, I still had my job. And so, you know, it, was like, I mean, it didn't last long, but, but just the fact that I always had some kind of business, whether it was, you know, a multi-level marketing type business, you know, I was like, but 
you know, or just doing consulting of some sort, then it's like, okay, well, I can, you know, I can have this, which is bringing in the money to pay my bills. But then I know that this is my passion. This is what I eventually want to do, you know, for the long run. And so why not be able to do both? You know, you don't necessarily have to choose one. <laughs> um, I, I'm glad you brought up about the 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 multi-level marketing because um and, and you made a great point about keeping a job and and what i wanted to say about that first is that i am not telling you to just like burn your bridge tomorrow <laughs> yeah and not have a source of income <laughs> right because i'm gonna like, t- i'm gonna do this now because <laughs> i know enough people who have lived out of their car and oh, on the street yeah, to know yeah. that it sucks and i've never done it thankfully and i don't want to I don't ever want to have to do it. I don't wish it on anybody. All right. That, that is not a great way to live. Some people can do it, uh, and, 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 you know, accelerate their growth. I, we, you know, again, we have friends who've done it. Uh, I don't necessarily recommend that for everybody. I do suggest you do have some kind of like, um, uh, safety net, but at some point you usually do have to make a decision. I either go this way or I go that way. And quite honestly, like you have to, you realistically should run with your passion and what you feel in your heart and in your soul that you were here, you were meant to do. And you may not figure that out right away. You may just have an inkling, like, I'm pretty sure this is what I want to do. You just may need time to grow into it. It's okay. But just, uh, just that kind of suggestion, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The thing about the multi-level marketing, okay, this is the point I want to bring up. Because I think everybody goes into business thinking that they've got a built-in customer base made out of their family and their friends. Yes. And I'm going to tell you right now, that is, it's, it's exact opposite. In fact, I would recommend you do not market to your family or your friends um, unless you know, like, they're pounding on your door. I want, I want your service. I want your product. And I'm willing to pay you for it. Big, big important point. Because most of you, like my family, they don't pay me for my services, all right? And they don't listen to me half of the time on my, on my advice. Um, my friends, uh, in the beginning, they wanted the, hey, uh, I'm your homeboy. I'm, I want the homeboy discount, right? Which is pay nothing, all right? Your, your <laughs> landlord does not accept IOUs. <laughs> PG&E does not accept IOUs. You have to have cash, you know, and so that requires selling services and products and making a profit to give to them. Sorry, I know I'm being I'm being sarcastic, <laughs> but, you know, hey, it's just a reality. You know, it's, again, a tough lesson that I learned and I learned it the hard way. So the best thing for you to do is to be able to sell people cold. People you have that have no vested interest in you. It really is the best thing you do, to do. And you know why? Because they don't have any preconceived notion of you. Right. Because a lot of times your friends, especially the ones that you've grown up with, in their mind, you you could have the fanciest suit. You could have the biggest education. You could be the most professional speaking person in the world. What they see you as their buddy that they used to hang out with. And maybe, you know, it, it, if you guys, you know, got drunk on the weekends or – you know, played guitar together or played basketball or, you know, I mean, they see you as that friend that they went to school with. They don't see you as the person that you see yourself as all the time. So sometimes it just doesn't work out when you, when you go to market those people, again, friends and family. 
I really recommend that you go out, that you have the ability to convince people that have no vested interest in you and that you're capable of helping them. Because again, they, what they are going to see is what you present to them. And that's what you want. That's who you are. You don't want them to have this idea, oh, you're the guy that plays basketball and, you know, says swear words and things like that. Because unfortunately, that's what people will think. They just, they have a very hard time not compartmentalizing the things they see about you. And a lot of people have that issue. We had that issue. Mm -hmm. And now that we're experienced, we understand that very, very well. So that's a big thing I wanted to kind of bring up. Yeah. You know, well, the big thing is just saying, okay, it's time to get out of my comfort zone. And, you know, it's like we have friends that, you know, that say that in order for you to truly grow, you have to do the thing that scares you the most. And so, yeah, because that's really the only way that, you know, that we truly evolve is basically buying, you know, by allowing ourselves to shed our skin to basically come out a whole different person and then suddenly just saying, okay, no, I have this goal. I'm going to be this person and everybody get out of my way, <laughs> you know, but it, it, again, it is a scary thing. Mm -hmm. And so... So, I mean, for the longest time, it's like, you know, I couldn't do that. You know, I saw until I was actually introduced to a very interesting book called Go for No. And, you know, it pretty much was it's all about numbers. Right. And so you basically just kind of find, you know, those people and just really just get to know them. So really, one of the things that we've tried to focus on is building relationships. And it's not about, you know, it's like, OK, yeah, I've got this thing that you need. Well, if you haven't spoken to them, how do they, how do you know that? And so you develop that relationship, you get to know each other and suddenly, you know, it's like you find out, oh, they, you know, may have a need for A, B, and C. And then it's a matter of, okay, well, I have a relationship with this person or with this business. And suddenly it's, okay, well, let me put you in contact. So now you have multiple ways of fulfilling multiple needs. And so that's kind of how... All the businesses that, you know, I was involved with before, a lot of the MLMs I did multiple, you know, at the same time <laughs> was because I looked at life as not necessarily being about just a single thing. And so I pretty much had said, all right, well, I'm going to look at this because I have an interest in it. I'm going to look at this because I have an interest in that as well. And then the more people that I connected with, then it was, okay, well... I know this, this, this. And so let's see, you know, if I could be your go-to for that. And that's kind of the reason that our practice has become what it is <laughs> and why we offer so much now. <laughs> well, I mean, we offer so much because we've realized, again, as you, as you do what you do and you're always going to go back and you're going to analyze, right? Uh, you're going to implement and you're going to measure and then you're going to, you know, reassess and then, you know, implement something new, right? You may take something away that's not working. You may keep it and then add something new. Uh, and you definitely don't want to overcomplicate. Do not try to be everything to everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, I've tried that. It's extremely exhausting. As a doctor, people have a tendency to come in and dump all of their problems on me. I mean, everything, including their financial problems. I can't fix your financial problems. Although I, I have, 
we go. <laughs> now, let me let me say I I don't want to. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can do it, but I mean, and I have tried to help people with it, but there's just some things that I don't know. It's better left somebody else to try. I you know I I don't have very much patience with certain things, and money is one of those. I don't. It irritates me when people can't manage their money, and. They keep making the same mistake over and over again, but they expect a different outcome, definition of insanity. Mm -hmm. And people, by and large, are really horrible with money. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect with it, but I respect it enough to be pretty decent with it. And that's why people will come to me, you know, for advice regarding it. Uh, and I'm not the top person, but again, I respect it. And I have, you know, done decently given where we've come from. Um. But yeah, it's but that's such a huge oh, you know, um, yeah. umbrella that, you know, and a major undertaking in so many different ways to, you know, to address a person's, you know, finances. So, again, mm -hmm. it's well, I may be able to ha handle this itty bitty little piece, but not all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, uh, that's that right there is why it's so important to network with people. Yes. You have to get comfortable with networking with people. I'm not saying you have to be. Uh, leisure suit Larry. I mean, you know, <laughs> you don't have to be cheesy. If that's your thing, cool. I mean, me, I, I've always been a little bit of a wallflower. Like I tend to, when I step into a room with people I don't know, I tend to stop and assess. Uh, I am, I will approach people. If they approach me, I will be friendly to them. I didn't used to be that way. Uh, a lot of that had to do with how hard I was on myself. I was very critical on myself and I projected it to everybody else as mm -hmm. really judgmental about it, right? Because I was judging myself all the time. I've learned to let that stuff go just through, obvious, honestly, through a lot of the work that we've done that we'll be talking about more. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that that has helped us to add to this right here, right? It's the whole reason why we're here doing this podcast, quite honestly, is to learn to get rid of that judgmentalism, that constant, like, criticism that voice sitting there telling you you're not good enough. It's not going to work well. People are going to hate you. They're, you know, you're always going to have haters. Whatever you got to, you got to love your 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 lovers, and you got to love your haters too. Yeah, you got to learn to do it. Um, and experience it comes with experience. And so, um, yeah. As far as the, you know, going back to the whole, you know, fear success thing. In some ways, they're kind of the same. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, um, but you know, recognizing that they come from different viewpoints because you look at the fear of failure. Some would say, well, I don't really have that fear, right? Because, and a lot of that comes from, you know, program upbringing, upbringing, things like that, things that you've been taught, you know, again, going back to the whole fear is not an option, right? So it's like, well, I have no fear of failure. And so, but then, you know, the success comes with, okay, can I really go all in? Can I devote a hundred percent of what I need to, you know, to it? And so, you know, then it's like, well, is there really a chance of success? And so really being able to just kind of, you know, frame it differently and just and, like, you know, well, well it actually kind of brings me back to what, you know, we learn from HealthSource. Sometimes good enough is just good enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not overthinking. That's a big thing is you'll sit there and, over, oh, it's got to be perfect. There are lots of people who have invented uh, devices that are probably better than iPhones. But the fact of the matter is that Apple released it. They chose to release it and let their market debug it for them. Mm -hmm. And there's people who will sit there. The analytical people will be like, well, that's ridiculous. You know, you're using, well, uh, they're making billions of dollars. Uh, I think Apple, <laughs> I think Apple will beg to differ because they're laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> you know, you can sit there and keep uh, figuring out how to build a better mousetrap. And then one day when you do, somebody else comes along and does a better job once you release it. 
That's usually what happens. So again, good enough is often good enough. People need what you do now. Mm-hmm. They don't who need you it. are. Yeah, yeah. And, what, and who <laughs> you are. They need it now. People want to know you. They want, they want what you do. You're just going to have to put some effort into finding those people. You can't fish with one line and expect to catch a catch for the day. You got to throw a net in and you're going to have better chances, right? I mean, uh, you know, all these different analogies that we've used. Mm-hmm. What you said you said before, uh, an analogy that's been used with me is whole sorting apples, right? They, some, one of my MLM people, coaches, <laughs> mentors told me that you have to go out and sort apples and you're going to put them in three groups. You get your shiny red apples that are nice and tasty and ready. They're ready for what you do. You got green apples. Those aren't quite ripe yet. You know, they need a little bit more information or more time, right, mm-hmm. to make a decision. And then you got the rotten apples. They're never <laughs> going to be your customer. You're wasting it. They'll, they will ask you tons of questions. They will, they're energy vampires. They will ask you, they just, they'll waste your time and your resource. Oh, can you send me more info? And then they never commit to anything. And you have to, and you know, you're going to learn, you're going to learn through failure. Like you're going to think that they may be an opportunity. You're going to think they're a green apple. And they really eventually you're like, no, they're just a rotten apple, right? And you have to be willing to accept that. And don't resent it. Just realize it's what it is. But also don't let them take power over you. Right. Don't let them say, oh, you're the problem. You, and that's where you do need a sounding board of people. You know, you need people to bounce stuff off of like, hey, did I, you know, do this the right way? Mm-hmm. My friends do that with me a lot. Um, speaking of that, another thing, uh, one of the most important things I've ever heard, and I, and I adhere to it today. Um, you may lose, lose friends. You probably will. When you embark on your decision to change your life path, you're probably going to lose some friends, maybe even all of them and family. (laughs) You may do that. You have to realize that. And that's a big, that's a big fear. People, that whole fear of success, fear of failure is the fear of losing those relationships, thinking that it's everything. You have to be willing to accept that because oftentimes they will not see eye to eye with you. And a lot of it has to do with when you become successful, there are many people you think want to see you succeed and they're not happy about it because it makes them have to look at themselves. And so there's this saying, if you want to fly with the eagles, you don't hang with the turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the, a simpler way of saying that is you are going to be most like the five people you spend most of your time with. So if those five people are broke and in debt and not successful – Chances are you're going to be like that too, and it's a hard. I say lim- why limit yourself? To- uh, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> because those five can, you no, know, can be I, amazing. It's a whole it's, different side. But it's then not you know, an okay, absolute. No, no, I have to reach out a it's little not, bit more. <laughs> it's not an absolute. Like, don't limit yourself to five people. But I'm it's just, just you know, it's just it's a concept, right? Yes. Everything in, in in the human world is a concept. Don't you can't think in absolutes, you know. No. So, uh, anyways, you know that I thought I felt like that was a good piece of information. And again, I didn't reinvent the wheel on that one. Somebody taught it to me. Somebody talked about so it. said, that makes sense. Let me, let me, let me yeah. take that. Let me use it. Yeah, absolutely. I hear that all the time. Yeah. Certain posts that people go, I'm stealing this. And I even tell people that I'm stealing this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very metaphorical. I'm, I, I, I don't know. I find myself drawn to allegory, which is like telling a story with pictures and, yeah. and, and visuals, you know. So um, anyway, I mean, I think that's, you know, I think that's the core stuff I think we kind of, you know, intended to bring to this. You think anything else? Yeah, just kind of, I'd say, you know, reiterating. I mean, 
you know, not necessarily looking at it from a standpoint of, oh, what if, what if I fail? Well, what if you succeed? Mm-hmm. Right. Being able to ask those questions and, you know, and again, not beating yourself up. I mean, you know, the, one of the examples I love to give is, you know, you look at, at kids, right? Especially when they're, you know, starting to walk. It's, you know, they basically, you know, get up, they take those steps, they fall down, you know, they get up, they, they just go again, right? They don't sit there and, and question, why did I fall? <laughs> and so that's something that, you know, most adults do. It's like, you know, they basically get up, they go and they got all this energy and they're just going to conquer the world. And then they fall and then they sit, st- they just stay there. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's, uh, I guess the way to put that is programming. Yeah. When you're when you're a <laughs> child, you you don't go into the world programmed. Uh, it's the world that programs you. It's the things you hear. It's the things you see. Mm-hmm. It's the things you do. Right. That people do to you, and eventually you start to get this programming. This these belief systems. Yeah. And those belief systems are either very self limit. They're very limiting, or they're expansive. And so, again, it's that ability to be intuitive and to be introspective and say, hey, look at myself, right? And unfortunately, technology has come along that gets us distracted and we allow ourselves to be, right? And there's nothing inherently wrong with technology. I'm not saying that these companies don't have bad intentions sometimes, but that's a whole other story. Um, (laughs) But I am saying you have to be aware of that, right? You have to always have these kind of self-checks. Mm-hmm. And again, that's where your good friends come in and they can like slap you on the face and say, hey, snap out of it. Like you're you're losing focus. Right. We want that mm-hmm. because, you know, it's the saying, no, no man or woman is an island. Right. You you do need people there to kind of say, hey, you, you know, you're kind of you're kind of falling off. And sometimes it happens because of like unforeseen circumstances. You get sick, you know, death in the family uh, and you and you have to be aware of those things, too. Like you will get derailed from those things. And that's why it's good to have, again, a team of people that you know. I mean, people come to us all the time because they get derailed. They're just, man, I just, I'm in a funk. I don't, you know, I can't get focused, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you know, they're coming into me in pain and I'm adjusting them, putting everything back in place and getting them feeling better. And I'm like, look, now the power's back on. You feel better. Now you have more energy to be able to put into that part of your brain for thinking and, you know, revisioning things, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're in crisis mode, all your energy is going into the crisis dealing with that. So you have to get yourself out of that crisis so that you're, you know, you're in that balanced place and you can start to think logically and go, okay, here's my plan of action, so to speak. So anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, uh, I really appreciate you guys coming and listening to this podcast. I hope that we gave you some really valuable content and uh, we are looking forward to bringing you even more in our next episode. So uh, this is Dr. Robert Shapiro and Teresa and together we're the intuitive Intuitive health Health Portal. portal. Thanks guys. Thank you.